Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, we're doing something kind of special this week. We're going to have it actually starting on a Thursday on March 20th, and there's a reason for this one. Uh, see, all the women get their own little personal Valentine's Day, and we guys, Mike and I, you know, we're, we're doing this without Eva because Eva's off celebrating a day early with her husband. Yeah. Yeah. So this day here, as Peter Graves has put it, and I'll insert this here. Hello. This is actor Peter Graves with this public service announcement. Every 14th of February, you get the chance to display your fondness for your wife or girlfriend by showering her with gifts, flowers, dinner, shows, and any other baubles that women find romantic. But guys feel left out. That's right, left out. You see, there's no special holiday for the ladies to show their appreciation for the men in their life. Men as a whole are either too proud or just too embarrassed to admit it which is why a new holiday has been created. And I'm proud to tell you that March 20th is now officially grilled steak and a you-know-what day. <laughs> Simple, effective, and self-explanatory, this holiday has been created so you ladies can have a day to show your man just how much you love him. No cards, no flowers, no special nights on the town. The name of the holiday explains it all. Grilled steak and a you-know-what day. <laughs> That's it. This twin pairing of Valentine's Day and grilled steak and a you-know-what day will usher in a new age of love as men everywhere will try that much harder in February to ensure a more memorable March. It's like a perpetual love machine. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pete. Lauren and Wally, mornings from 5.30 until 10 on 105.7 WROR. Out here in California, uh, the radio DJs Dave Shelley and Chainsaw call it Steak and Knobber Day. <laughs> so we're going to do something a little special since we were originally going to do this for Valentine's Day and it kind of got screwed up. So we're going to do Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail tonight. <laughs> it's only fitting that we put the rom-coms on Steak and a Blowjob Day. Really, seriously. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where I don't know if the Peter Graves clip is something that a lot of radio stations have. The first time I ever heard it was uh, – I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts. First time I ever heard it was on a radio station up there, 105.7 WROR, with the long-running morning team of Lauren and Wally. And I heard this and I'm like, oh, God, this is just so hilarious. Oh, but yeah. They, pl they, they play it every year, which is great because um, – I mean, technically, if you really want to get technical about it, technically, the other 364 days are for the guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, uh, you know, um, no, I I figured, hey, why not? You know, we didn't do anything for Valent we, we didn't do this topic for Valentine's Day. And I honestly don't see these as Valentine's movies. Yeah, I mean, the main reason why I thought that they were Valentine's movies was, well, Sleepless in Seattle ends on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole reason why I was thinking of it originally for doing Valentine's Day. But, I mean, you know, they are rom-coms. Everybody kind of loves rom-coms, and everybody wants to go see them with their significant others. At least, you know, the women always want to drag the guys to it. And mm -hmm. let's face it, rom-coms are out there simply so that guys will go see something that they actually feel 
like they can enjoy. Mm, yeah. Uh, I will say that rom-coms in the last 15 years, most of them, I would say maybe 85, 90% suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a few interesting ones. I think, uh, was it 2010, I think, was the change-up with Vince Vaughn. I'm not looking at anything. Yeah. There are some interesting ones that they've put out there, but they're not as funny as what we had in the 80s and early 90s. They're, they're oh, just no. not. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think one of the closest ones that I remember seeing, and I wouldn't I, – I don't know if I'd even really classify it as a rom-com, mm-hmm. was uh, This Means War with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pine and I forget who the other guy was. And it's oh, kind geez. of this, it's kind of this weird love triangle between the two guys and their spies, you know. Oh god, yeah. yeah. That's that's not necessarily like when I think of romantic comedy, I think of stuff like When Harry Met Sally, stuff like Sleepless, yeah. stuff like You've Got Mail, stuff like I guess the closest thing currently I could tell you was a romantic comedy was. Um, um, crap! What's that one with uh, what's her name from from that '70s show and and Justin Timberlake? Damn it! Uh, oh, um, no strings I, attached. No, 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 no! It's not that one. It's um, Friends with Benefits. That's Friends what with it Benefits. Is. Okay, Friend, Friends with Benefits is, and I actually enjoyed that movie for what it is. Um, it's one of the better. It's one of the like five to ten percent that is actually good. For yeah, this, you know this this. Uh, time in in our lives but but no i mean it just in comedies in general for me i don't know what it is maybe i'm too cynical maybe i'm just too old and crotchety a lot of comedies nowadays i don't laugh at them yeah i've kind of gotten to the same point i mean it takes a lot to make me laugh anymore but there's i've seen some stuff which is spot on you know and, and i guess partially because it's reaching into you know, my background and it's making me feel connected. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I watch Big Bang Theory. Come on. You know, <laughs> yeah, we could have a whole show on that show because a lot of people tell me, oh, it panders to the lowest common denominator of comedy. And I'm thinking, okay, yes, in the beginning, that show did poke fun at geek culture, but over the seven seasons, the seven years that that show has been going on, it's grown a hell of a lot. So maybe we could do that on another episode of the show because oh, that'll. Yeah. That'll derail this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely have to cover that. I originally, let's see here, Sleepless in Seattle came out June 25th, 1993. I did not see it until a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll be honest is that I didn't see the entire thing all the way through until last night. (laughs) Uh, And it's not that it's not a good film. It's just that every time I would sit down to watch it, like I'd always come in 15 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. So I never saw the first bit of it. And I was always like, well, okay. And I, and I kind of, you know, I, I knew the plot because I read up on it and all that. And I knew before last night what it was about in that, you know, you have the kid who's calling into a radio station and he, you know, he lives on the West coast with his dad. I, I knew about all that. And I knew that Meg Ryan was kind of like this whole, Oh, you know, I feel so bad for this kid type feeling. But, you know, I, I didn't didn't know what it was about for that bit, for that little bit. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, and I knew how it ended. And I was kind of like, eh, this is not a bad movie. But I, I didn't know what to expect last night until I'd seen it. So, um, 
Yeah, I gotta say, my initial reaction to this movie was like, wow, it just, I don't know what it was about it, but I got a lot of feel, and maybe it's because I watch way too much of the Investigation Discovery Channel, but I got the feeling of, like, stalker syndrome out of this movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, like, seriously, anyone that can, like, legitimately tell me that this is not a stalker syndrome kind of thing, because you've got Meg Ryan listening to this radio show, feeling attached to this guy who is 3,000 miles away from where she is. She's actually in a relationship, going to be engaged. um, And she's sitting there in traffic, driving. And thankfully, it's the East Coast, but the West Coast would just be as bad. But she's sitting in traffic, driving, yelling at her radio. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God. Ah." Yeah. I'm 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 one of those old souls. I do believe in love at first sight in certain instances, but and I am also one of those big believers in um, falling in love with someone's voice. Oh yeah, uh, you know because uh, I don't know if I really want to reveal this, but when I was I think I was nine or ten, uh, I actually wrote a letter to uh, Delilah. Oh, if. Come on now. You should know who Delilah is. All I got to say is the one name. I wrote a letter to her. It was just a simple kid letter. It wasn't anything creepy or anything like that. But it was just a, it was just a little listener letter saying, you know, because she'd always on her radio show, because back then in the in 89, 90, she was based in Boston. Yeah. I believe now she's she's based out of Seattle. Um, but she was based in Boston and I, I wrote in and I said, Hey, you know, I'm the same age as your son, really love your show. Keep up the good work. You know, I, back then I was having problems with, with my dad and stuff like that, but she actually, I actually got a reply from her, a written handwritten station headed reply from Delilah back in the day. Cause wow. now, now it's all about email and calling in and whatever else. I tried to call into that show so many times in the last 30 something years of my life and I, I was never able to get through never. Wow. Um, but no, I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those things where, you know, if you listen to a lot of morning radio or if you listen to, uh, you know, radio programs like hers and whether you're male or female and you, you know, get attached to the voice of one of your favorite radio personalities. And this is kind of the same thing as that, except, they're basically saying, "Hey, she's gonna go find this guy." The fact that she's gonna go find him in the first first place is just—I don't know. Yeah, I—I I was kind of like—I I looked at that and I went, mm. uh, "It just—it seemed kind of weird." Now, maybe I'm implying, you know, and I'm sticking on, you know, '90s and 2000 feelings, you know, 21st century feelings of you don't really want to go look for somebody who you just heard their voice on the radio because that's like uber creepy. But at the same time, you know, yeah. maybe, Hey, because it was early nineties, this was still cool to do. Yeah. It's, it, it reminds me so much. And I know this is going to sound so bad. It reminds me of the late nineties. Once the internet and online dating really hit. Oh yeah. Or, or Yahoo chat or AOL chat and you're in like a library 
Oh yeah. And and very randomly you find someone online who is actually like three tables over from you and it just freaks you the hell out. That's what yeah. this movie reminds me of. <laughs> well, see now that that for me was you've got mail, but that's we'll, we'll get to that well, in a few minutes yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. But I you know, I, I do have to say that I thought that Sleepless in Seattle was actually pretty good, especially the fact that it's based upon the old Cary Grant and Deborah Carrer movie in a fair mm-hmm. to remember. And there's a point where they actually start talking about this whole, this whole film and, and Tom Hanks's character, Sam goes, man, it, it's just a total chick movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was, I thought it was pretty good. You know, it was, it was sad because, you know, you start off with, you know, Sam's, Sam's wife dying of cancer and she leaves behind him and, and his son. And, you know, they're, they're grieving and it's kind of like Jonah's like, okay, well, I want to, you know, I want to get a new mom. And so that's kind of why he starts going through the whole calling into the radio station and everybody is like, oh, wow, this is so touching. This is so touching. And then, of course, you have Annie Reed, who's a Baltimore Sun reporter, uh, who's engaged to Walter, a.k.a. Uh, Bill Pullman. Yeah. I and you know, I just was kind of creeped out by his character. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody was kind of creeped out by his character. He always seems to play just like weird creepy characters. Uh you mm-hmm. know, but we'll I'll come back to him cuz I have a whole list of stuff that he's done. Uh but yeah, I mean, you know, they they have here where she writes this letter and says, you know, I really think that maybe we should meet on the Empire State Building on Valentine's Day and it'll be this whole romantic thing and you know, she's like, "Oh, I'm not going to mail this letter." And then her friend uh her friend Becky does it for her and it's like, "Oh my god, this is going to be great, you know? We'll do it we'll do it as part of those uh, you know, great radio shows for a story on a radio show." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, nowadays they'd be like are you mad? The budget? We're going way the hell over. This is radio. Nobody wants to hear this shit. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, Superman caught Rosie O'Donnell and he, she's just, dra- he's just dragging his feet ac- across the gravel. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which, oh God, do we, it, it, that's one of those people that we have to mention in this film because she's Sadly, in this one. Yes. Yeah. I really can't stand her, but you know, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the whole movie goes through, she sees, you know, Sam actually does see Annie as she's getting off the plane in Seattle to go look for him. And he's kind of like, oh, wow, she's kind of hot. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, she sees him on the beach and they're, you know, they're, she thinks that uh, Sam's sister Susie is his girlfriend. It's like, oh, this really isn't going to work out. You know, I I can't go through with this. And like, hi, bye. And they split. She goes back to New York. She's while she's there, she kind of sees Walter again. She's like, "Well, I know we're supposed to get married, and you know they end up going to have this romantic dinner in Valentine's Day." And she's like, "I can't do this. I can't marry you." And at the same time, you've got uh, Jonah, Sam's son, who's running away from home. He gets on a plane. This is what kills me. I, I still don't know how to this day, you know, what was he thirteen, twelve, something like that, manages to go on the internet and buy a ticket. No, I think he calls, doesn't he? He calls an airline. No, they went on because his friend was telling him and showing him how to use the computer to go online. I remember oh, that being like, that's, whole, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it was like that horrible monochrome monitor that they're using to go on. Yeah. But they, they buy the ticket and I'm just like, 
really, how do you manage to pull that off without a credit card or anything like that? And then you get on the plane and nobody seems to question that you don't have a parent with you. Mm. I just, I shook my head at that. Yeah, no, there's, there's, that is probably the worst part about this movie other than that, other than that in in the stalking. But that's the worst part of this movie is because I know for a fact this is supposed to take place in what year? Yeah, Christmas Eve '92. So '92 into '93. Yeah. I know for a fact I was traveling from 1990 to 1993. So I, I would get on planes to come here to Kentucky from Massachusetts to to visit my dad, and uh, my mom bought the ticket, took me to the airport, didn't leave me until I got on the plane. The flight attendants took care of me on the plane. Got off the plane. My dad met me. So that that there was never any way. That yeah. is just so unbelievable that this kid was able to do this. Well, and the kicker now, too, is that even back in the 90s, because my cousin flew out from Hawaii, if she had – when they had to make a transfer, mm-hmm. either – they were trying to set up a transfer and it was going to cost them 150 bucks for a representative of representative of Delta – to walk her from one part of Delta to the other part of Delta so that she could catch a flight down to San Diego or we drove up to LAX to go pick her up. Uh, it's less than 150 bucks round trip. Guess yeah. what happened? You drove up there, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's LAX is like a three-hour drive from San Diego, but still, even round trip, it's still cheaper than, you know, 150 bucks. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it was, you know, I don't get that. So they, you know, they knew that they were going to be doing this. And the fact that the kid gets on and nobody questions it, mm-hmm. that was really a, a big sticking point in my head, you know. Uh, but they, I, I do like the fact that they do go through and at the very end of the film, you see them. They're trying to go back up to the top of the Empire State Building and Jonah's left his bag there. Um, Annie sees the bag and she's picking it up and she's like, there's a teddy bear in there. There's got to be this kid that owns this. You know, and Jonah walks up and says, and she goes, are you, is this yours? You know, oh, you're Annie. Yes, I'm Annie, you know, and the whole thing goes through with, with, uh, Sam meeting Annie and they're kind of like, oh, wow. And then they just kind of walk off at the end. It was like, you kind of think that there might be something starting from it, but there really isn't any way to say that, yes, they definitively had this happy life together at the end. And that's where the movie fails for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about her trying to get to him or them trying to meet each other. Why not just have a chance encounter meeting? And then, again, this is why I like You've Got Mail better. Sure, in that Joe kind of doesn't really make it chance encounters, even though they seem chance encounters to, um, oh, God, what's her name? <sighs> Kathleen. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's just one of those things where Sleepless in Seattle, honestly, I'd give it a two star out of five. Yeah. I, mean, I did not. I, I don't know if it's me as an adult not liking it or whatever else, but this isn't a kid's movie. This is an adult's movie. So yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things where I no. I think it was looking back on it now. It's, I would definitely say it's kind of a period piece in a sense and that, it's it's tying into a lot of things that were happening in the 90s 
and mm-hmm. the feel and emotion of people in the 90s, and you would not see anything like this being even remotely realistic nowadays. No. Just, you know, people be creeped out. People be like, that's weird. You know, you're stalking. Oh, my God. So, mm-hmm. well, let me jump in here. I do want to talk about all the cast in this film here. Well, not all yeah. of them, but, you know, a good portion of them because there's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got Tom Hanks who plays as Sam Baldwin. Uh, he's done so much. My God. Yeah, we can't. We'll, we'll be here all night on, on his filmography alone. Yeah, I mean, come on. Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, Castaway, Philadelphia, The Terminal. I mean, those are just some of the ones that I know off the top of my head. You know. There's no crying in baseball. Of course, of course. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention that. A League of Their, League own, of their own. Which yeah. we'll have to cover at some point as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as baseball season starts. Actually, that would probably be a good one for, what is it, uh, April... first or something like that yeah yeah. it's it's like april 1st or april 8th or something like that yeah we'll definitely have to cover that one (laughs) yeah so uh you know we obviously have meg ryan who's who plays as annie reed uh meg we've seen her she's another one that's got a huge cast list uh when harry met sally anastasia Mm -hmm. city of angels iq and of course i have to mention this she was the voice of dr blight on captain planet God, I hated that show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first thing anyone will remember her from, she actually started in 1981 in Rich and Famous, and then in 83 she had the Amityville 3D. But the very first film, the Make Me Famous film for Meg Ryan, was Top Gun, 1986. That's right. That's right. I forgot about it was that. Take me to better. Lose me forever. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, and we and we and we will have to actually do uh, when Harry met Sally because I need oh, to yeah. go back and watch that again. But yeah. um, I think the one that really that I really liked her in was, and I know everyone in the world hates Nicolas Cage movies, but ninety eight City of Angels. I loved that movie. Yeah, I just I got pissed off at the ending of that. You know. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's uh, not exactly the best ending. No. But uh uh she has not acted or she has not done any films since 2009. Uh she had uh uh web therapy in uh 2011 and 2013, but she's almost stepped out of the spotlight. I know it's kind of weird. I just kind of go okay what happened and you know keep going on but uh, well i mean let's face it the the 2000s have not been hanging up proof of life kate and leopold yeah. against the ropes uh my mom's new boyfriend the women yeah. uh serious moonlight was the 2009 film she did so let's face it i mean it's not what what she's used to yeah, well, I don't know. I she's mean, kind of been typecast too. Is the whole you know every time I've seen her, with the exception of Top Gun, mm-hmm. she's kind of played this character of, oh my god, I I love you, and it, she like discovers that she loves the guy at the very end of the film. <laughs> you know, okay, that's how it was in IQ with her and Tim Robbins. That's how it was in Anastasia. You know, voicing Anastasia. Yeah. That's how it was. You know, when Harry met Sally. Come on, City of Angels. She kind of knew that she loved the guy. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that she hooked up with Merlin in IQ? Oh, my God. 
Yep. Because Tim Robbins was Merlin from Top Gun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, uh, now, I, I want to bring up the next guy here because I kind of mentioned Bill Pullman mm-hmm. as being a really weird character. He plays as Walter, her, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, her fiancé, actually, I should say. Uh, Bill Bill's shown up in a lot. Uh, the, the one thing, the big thing that I remember him from is Lone Star and Spaceballs. <laughs> uh, he was also... Let Schwartz be with you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's another movie we'll have to cover because Rob oh, Paulson's yeah. in that one, so we'll have to cover that just for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Bill Pullman also plays uh, – he plays as Oswald Danes in Torchwood Miracle Day. If anybody saw that on Stars, it was pretty decent. Not great, but okay. Uh, mm. He showed up on Law & Order SVU. And yeah. of course, one of the other things for everybody to remember, he was the president of the United States of America in Independence Day. Yes, and I noticed you're skipping over a lot of the 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 ones that people probably don't want to remember. Um, yes. He was also with Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. He was Bob, uh, Gina Davis's husband, Dottie's husband, Bob. Um, he was <laughs> – oh, man. he. Oh, where is it? I just had it. No, not the president. Oh, yeah, he was Dr. James Harvey with Christina Ricci and Casper. Oh, yeah. That was a movie I, I wanted loved, to forget. I, I loved him and the ghosts and the three ghosts in that. That was awesome. Oh, the ghosts were great. Yeah. You know. Um, I will say out of not, <coughs> out of 90s uh, romantic comedies, as screwed up as the movie that I'm going to mention is, um, I will say I, I believe that While You Were Sleeping is better than <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um I do I did really enjoy that and that was an interesting twist. Uh he one of the ones that I can always watch from him, but that's because he's voice acting in it is um Titan AE. He was Captain Joseph Corso. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I've seen yep. it like three times and completely <laughs> forgot. You know yep. I always focus on Matt Damon, you know, and who would have thought that Matt Damon could actually be a decent voice actor? <laughs> <laughs> um from 2012 to 2013, he uh, returned to the presidency in 1600 Penn for NBC, but that series did not last, yeah. sadly. Um, so, yeah, but Bill's done a lot of interesting stuff over the years. Yeah. Uh, now, I have to bring up, because I know that you're a fan of this show, Recess. The next <laughs> person i got to bring up, Ross Mallinger, who mm-hmm. plays as Jonah Baldwin. Uh Ross was the voice of T.J. Detweiler on Recess. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, did not, I could not even hear T.J. in his voice in this movie. Wow. Well, I think he was only T.J. for like one season or something like that because I know they kept changing out the kids. Yeah. Uh, but they also had um, – he also played in Kindergarten Cop, and I don't remember the role that he played in there. He really hasn't done a whole lot from that since then from what I remember. Yeah. Uh Next person, the god-awful <laughs> windbag, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, she's had some interesting stuff. I don't give a crap about her personal life. As far as her acting, she's had some really interesting things. Yeah. Uh, she started on the 86-87 television series, Give Me a Break. Mm-hmm. 
she had her Rosie, the Rosie O'Donnell show from 96 to 2002. Yeah. Uh, she was a herself. Oh my God. She voiced herself in an episode of blues clues in 1998. Oh, wow. God. Oh my God. She was Bonnie and Will and Grace. She was judge Nancy Paul and judging Amy. Uh, let's see here. She was on Curb Your Enthusiasm from 2005 to 2011 as herself. Um, yeah, she was on The View. She was on A League of Their Own as well. Yeah, she was. And she was Betty Rubble in The Flintstones. Yeah. I, that, oh God, that hurt me. <laughs> and I have to bring to light one movie that... I, I can't believe – I still to this day can't believe that my mother took me to see this film. Uh-huh. We all thought it was going to be a comedy because mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd were in it. little film <laughs> called Exit to Eden. I love that movie. Oh, shit. Not, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Let, let me fix this here. I love that movie simply for the fact that Lois Lane is a dominatrix. Dana Delaney. Yes. That's why I love that movie. Yes. It has nothing to do with Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the whole thing is is we got there and from the from the commercials and from the trailers that we saw, we thought it was going to be a comedy that Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd were going to have much more of a scene in that. And then we saw Dana Delaney with full frontal nudity. And my mom was like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, we all thought it was going to be a comedy. And, you know, my, my mom takes us and, and I'm like 13 sitting here watching this film and going, thank you, mom. <laughs> and my mom was trying to, you know, she tried to put her hands over my eyes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm 13. I'm going to watch this. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just, and, and to see, oh my God, I'm going to need, I, I'm going to need soap to get this out of my brain. Rosie O'Donnell in a yeah. corset with leather whips. Oh. I did, as much as I don't really care for Rosie herself, there are several films that she's been in that I do enjoy. Um, the 1995 film Now and Then, I enjoyed that. Also in 95, she had a, I don't know if it was a, I don't think it was a starring role, but it might have been a like a co-starring role in the um in the movie called Beautiful Girls with uh, Timothy Hutton, Noah Emmerich, uh, Max uh, Perlick, uh, Michael Rapaport. Um, yeah, no, you need to see this. This is, Yeah, it's it got actually, a bunch of actors that I like. Yeah. I just haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, it actually, the, the main starring cast is Matt Dillon, Lauren, Lauren Hawley, uh, Timothy Hutton, Rosie O'Donnell, so she is part of the main cast. Uh, Natalie <laughs> Natalie Portman before she was Queen Amidala. That's interesting God. and creepy all at the same time. Uh, Mira Servino and, and Uma Thurman. This is on oh. Netflix, I believe, right now. Um, it's an interesting little tale, and another reason why I love it is uh, the fact that again it takes place in Massachusetts. So that's oh, of course. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, who else is in this? Uh, Victor Garber is Greg. I cannot yes. believe Victor Garber was in this movie. Yes, come on, we're talking about Jennifer Garner's dad. I know, Alias. right? <laughs> I know, right? Just, it, yeah. And he's been in a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he showed up in a made-for-TV movie that ABC did on The Music Man, and he was actually really, really good at it. I was surprised. He was, I want to say he was the mayor of the town where, where the music band came in. And it was just like, holy crap, he's good. 
Um, I'm trying to see here. Uh, do you know? Remember what year it was? Uh, I want to say late '90s, early 2000s. It was right around the same time that they were doing the Bye Bye Birdie uh, mm. with Jason Alexander and uh, okay. uh, Vanessa Williams. Uh, yeah. He was also in Titanic. I remember that. Yep. Uh, he was the he was the engineer or something that built the that he built was uh, where is it ninety seven he was Thomas Andrews he was the uh, he was the ship's builder he was the yeah he's basically yeah. the engineer um, but I mean he's been in a bunch of stuff he was in uh, oh, yeah. life he was in life with Mikey with Michael J Fox oh my god I forgot about that movie <laughs> he was in uh, mixed nuts. Uh, I believe that's a Michael Keaton movie. Let me look really quick. I thought it was, but uh, no, maybe not. Maybe uh, you're thinking of the Dream Team. Yeah, no, I was no. Trust me, I know the Dream Team like the back of my hand. I wasn't. I just maybe I'm thinking of Multiplicity. That's what it was. But ah. it wasn't in that, um, he was the voice of Sinestro in Green Lantern: First Flight. Really. Yep. I would. Oh my god! Because I loved that one. That was actually a pretty good one. I thought. Yep. He was the Klingon interrogator in Star Trek. J.J. Abrams Star Trek in two thousand nine. Oh serious? Oh my god! <laughs> I have it sitting on my DVD rack here next to me. <laughs> um, he's been in Law and Order. He was in Almost Perfect. He was in FX the series. Uh, he was in The Outer Limits. Um. Will and Grace as Peter Bovington, uh, as you said, alias. Uh, he was in Ugly Betty. He was on Glee. Don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Um, yeah. He was on Law and Order LA as another character. Uh, and coming up, he's uh, very, very interesting stuff. He was in the tw- very short. He was in two very short uh, TV series, uh, The Firm from NBC. I think that's from NBC. Let yeah. me look. It was based... It ran on NBC. I know that. Uh, yeah, yeah, NBC. The Firm on NBC and Deception on NBC. Now, Deception, I really thought was good. I thought that could last maybe at least one of the season. Um, uh, coming up uh, later this year, he's going to be playing Ichabod Crane's father in Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Really? Yep. I can see that. <laughs> I can totally see that. So can I. <laughs> um, but outside of like 2012's Argo, he oh he was he was the assistant bank manager in the town, uh, the Ben Affleck movie, The Town, in 2010. Um, last year he was in Phenom, but he hasn't done much other than that. So like recently, hmm. uh, but Victor Garber, he, he's a great actor. I always, I always liked him. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's kind of weird thinking. Cause you know, again, all I'm ever going to be able to think of him as is Sidney Bristow's dad, you know, yeah. and that's, that's all I can remember him as, <laughs> but uh, I do want to move on here to some other people here that we have. I have one person that I'm going to leave out and do out of order here, but uh, I want to mention Rita Wilson, who plays as Susie. Uh, Rita Wilson actually holds the distinction of being Tom Hanks' real-life wife. Yes, uh, yes, she does. So she's in this movie, and she shows up there, and I want to say that this is where Tom Hanks actually met her 
and this was kind of where their their whole relationship kicked off. I think I I don't remember honestly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and I, I really should have looked that up to be more certain, but I, I want to see that that's where this all happened. Uh, but yeah, Rita Wilson's done a lot too. Uh, she was Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife in Jingle All the Way, uh, which I thought that movie was hilarious. A lot of people I know don't. Uh, she was in That Thing You Do, again, showing up with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, From the Earth to the Moon, which was an excellent miniseries on HBO that ran. Uh, Runaway Bride, The Good Wife, uh, never really saw The Good Wife, but I've heard of it. You know, it's supposed to be decent on, what is it, uh, CBS? Yep. In 88, Hanks married actress Rita Wilson. The two first met on the set of Hanks's then-television show, Bosom Buddies. Oh. But later developed a romantic interest while working on the film Volunteers. Okay. So I'm off. <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. Yeah. So. Uh, I also want to mention David Hyde Pierce, who shows up as Dennis Reed in this film. <laughs> I love David Hyde Pierce. Oh, my God. You know, he's just he's hilarious. I, it's, you know, I, I, he was the stick, the stick uh, bug in A Bug's Life named Slim. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will always remember that. Where are you? I'm the one with eyeballs. <laughs> uh, he he actually has had quite a decent voice acting career uh, yeah, because he has. he has also been the voice of Abe Sapien in the Hellboy movies. Yep. I don't think he was just a voice. I think that was him in the suit. Uh, either that or they uh, did uh, motion capture on his face. No, it was actually Doug. Oh, God. Because uh, I met the guy. Uh, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Jeez. I, I, uh, I can't remember his last name. I, I want to say it's Doug Jones, but I could be wrong on that. He does a lot of lot of stuff with um, Guillermo del Toro. He'll put on the rubber suits and everything and walk around for, for del Toro, and he's actually really decent at it. Uh, but he's he does like a lot of these a lot of these little monster movies and stuff. Uh, so I mean, but that's what that's how he was. He was Abe Sapien in that one. Uh, now, and of course I can't forget this because I know that there are people who are screaming at their, you know, screaming at their iPhones <laughs> and iPods and everything right now. <laughs> Niles Crane on Frasier. Yep. Gotta, gotta mention that. Oh yeah. Uh, the funny thing is he actually went back to, after 2006, he went back to theater. He yep. hasn't done films or... Uh, okay, he's done some televisions, but since then, but um, or no, wait, he's done some film. He's he his last film was The Perfect Host in uh, in 2010. But as far as his TV stuff, he hasn't done TV since 2006, and he's currently doing theater. Uh, last year was The Landing. The year before that was Vanna and Sonia. The Vanna, Sonia, and Masha and Spike. Yeah. So. Well, he's he's done a lot. He. I, I want to say he's won a Tony, but I could be wrong. I'd have to go and look. Uh, uh, I know that he and Victor Garber have done stuff on Broadway together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's just showing you again the talent of Victor Garber. Oh, yeah. But the fact that they're able to pull this off, I, I'm proud of them. I, I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, of course, I have to mention, I know, I know you kind of brought this up here. You don't care for a princess bride. Uh, 
it's to me it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And that's fine. Everybody's got their own opinions and opinions are like assholes. They all stink. <laughs> uh but yeah, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner plays as Jay. Mm-hmm. And Rob Reiner he's done God, he's done so much. Uh he started off on All in the Family. <laughs> he was uh, the meathead. Yes. Yes. Now he's a bald meathead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a bald meathead with a big, thick beard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Rob Reiner was that. He also he also kind of showed up, kind of getting into his directing roots, of showing showing up in uh, the Spinal Tap movies, mm-hmm. uh, doing the mockumentaries. And, you know, like I mentioned, he was also the director of The Princess Bride. So Rob, is, Rob has had his, he's had his run around. And I'm glad for it. Uh, now, the last person I have to mention, and the reason why I'm kind of holding off on her is because she's going to be in the next film that we're going to cover next week here, uh, Gabby Hoffman. And mm-hmm. Gabby Hoffman plays as Jessica. Uh, she showed up in Field of Dreams, and then she was also Maisie in Uncle Buck, which will be the next film that we'll cover. Oh, wow. So yeah, she was uh, she was uh, Macaulay Culkin's brother and or sister in that one. Excuse yeah, me. I was gonna say, wait a second here. Yeah, <laughs> sex change. <laughs> Bling. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this you know the cast here I thought was good. The story was just kind of like, oh man, for this film, I I just really didn't like Sleepless all that much. I really should have, but it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, for me, You've Got Mail is better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I do want to bring up, I got just a few little tidbits of trivia for this film here, which I want to mm-hmm. mention. Uh, scene between Tom Hanks and Victor Garber crying over the movie The Dirty Dozen, completely <laughs> improvised during the take, so that was basically them just kind of screwing around. <laughs> uh, Annie was originally offered to Julia Roberts, Kim Basinger, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Jodie Foster before Meg Ryan got the role. Mm. And I'm kind of thinking as I'm seeing this, yeah, probably good that they all passed it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we have a slight mention, pre-Seinfeld mention of the real-life soup Nazi. Because uh, I, I love this. There's a there's a journalist that you hear. He's talking as Meg Ryan enters the office at her newspaper, and he's saying he's the meanest guy in the world, but he makes the best soup you've ever eaten. And of course, they're talking about New York. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the the other significant thing about this one here, this is one of three movies that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan have done together. Uh, the first being. Joe versus the volcano, mm-hmm. which oh god, I thought that was a stupid film, but you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people I know liked it. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle, and then the last one here, you've got Mail. Uh, and the really funny thing about this film, throughout the entire movie, you know that Tom Hanks is a major character, you know that Meg Ryan is a major character, but throughout the entire film, they're only on screen together for two minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's at the very end, and it's kind of like, oh, we're done. It seems to me like there should have been a lot more for that. Yeah. So. This story should have been something completely, well, not necessarily completely different, but they could have 
like done the same story that they did with Sleepless, except make the finding each other the first half of the movie. Yeah. And the second half showing you whether they click or not. Yeah. You know, not the entire, however long it is, one, one and a half, two hour movie, not the entire movie, the search for your soulmate. Yeah. It could have been, there's just so many things about this movie that could have been better, but I'm not going to pick it apart too much because again, (laughs) I know certain people who are listening to this, like the film, Eva, Uh, we'll have to let her defend herself next week and explain to us why exactly exactly she likes the film. Yeah. No. So let's go ahead and we'll move on to the next one here in this that we're going to do is this double feature. Uh, we're going to call we're going to talk about uh, You've Got Mail. And Mike, you want to go ahead and take it away here? Because I know that you know more about this than I do. I, you know, I've uh, this was a movie like you with Sleepless. This was a movie where I only saw like the middle section to the end at one point when it first came out. I had never seen the beginning, kind of, but since then I've seen the whole thing through. Uh, I watched it a couple nights before we recorded this. Um, it's a good movie. It's about Kathleen Kelly, who is this. Um, really cautious yet optimistic romantic. Uh, and she believes in books. She, she runs her, her mother's, um, shop around the corner. Uh, and she has since her mom died, I believe. And, uh, Tom Hanks as as Joe Fox is coming in and getting ready to take over everything. Cause Fox books is basically, <laughs> It's basically Barnes and Noble. Noble. It's basically Barnes and Noble versus Borders, is what this movie is. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, and the whole thing is Joe Fox's uh, family is basically out to. I don't want to say crush the competition of like all the little indie bookstores that you see, but that's essentially what's happening in the film. Uh you know, yeah. I don't know. I just was – I thought it was kind of funny with some of this here that it starts out, you know, the same sort of thing happening in Sleepless in Seattle where you've got Meg Ryan who she's involved with somebody else uh, and she's like – she's in love with this guy and she thinks that she's in love with him. And then she starts on with this romantic thing with her AOL account and my god, this is a bad film to be pulling this up with. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what AOL is, AOL is a piece of crap internet service provider. It's AOL is what it is. Yes. Um, Now, I will say that uh, between the two films, um, who played her – who played the guy in in Sleepless? Christ, I already forgot it. It was five Uh, minutes ago we were talking about that. Bill Pullman, okay. Between Pullman and Kinnear's characters, Pullman's character was a better character. Yes. Kinnear's character, everyone tells her Kinnear's character is a jerk. Yes. Uh, you know, he's, he's, and he's one of these, he's one of these um, anti government, anti, oh, yeah. you know, conspiracy buff kind of people. And it's like, get out, woman, get out now. Yes. And does she listen? Well, eventually, yes. Eventually, but... <laughs> yes. 
of course, I like the whole the whole thing going back and forth is that she and you know that she and Tom Hanks are going back and forth, emailing each other back and forth through their AML email accounts and their screen names, and it's like, oh, this is so cute, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is all bringing back memories to me of you know being in being in high school, and you'd go into a you go into a chat room on AOL, and the first things that you'd see is ASL, which was age, sex, location. <laughs> yeah, this movie, ladies and gentlemen, is by no means held up to today's standards. It is a good film, but it is very, very dated. With not only just using oh, yeah. AOL, but the fact that we no longer have the uh, the dial tone, dial up. Well, I I know I know dial up still exists, but for the people that you know actually enjoy the internet, you use broadband or something like that. You don't yeah. use man, man, you know all, all these weird, stupid beeps and clicks and other yeah. crap. It's that's one of those lost lost sounds that kids nowadays will never hear. <laughs> I'm sure you'll put it somewhere in this episode. <laughs> oh, you bet. I'll stick it in right here, <laughs> just for you guys to hear it. For those oh. who are nostalgic. I do like the fact that they've got all these different characters that you see that are showing up, and actually, a really decent cast again in this film. Great Mm -hmm. cast. Story was not as good, unfortunately. This Uh, story I enjoyed more than uh, than Sleepless. Yeah, it's not it's not the best story in the world, but it's better than that. Yeah, and I think that part of the thing with this is that it got. A whole lot of press because everybody was going, oh, you know, Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are going to be joining back together. And it's mm-hmm. – I remember seeing tons and tons of promotions for this film. And then it kind of got out there and people were like, it's Sleepless in Seattle all over again, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, kind of is. It kind of isn't. Again, it's Meg Ryan doing what she does best, you know, not realizing that she's fallen for a guy until the very end of the film. Right. End of story. It's- the difference I would say with this is that it's not because it is technically on the cusp of the 21st century. It's not a radio call-in show. They no. are actually talking to each other. They are actually, you know, telling each other stuff about themselves. You know, so they're actually conversing. You know, am I going to sit here and defend online dating? No, because half the time it sucks. But in in the context of this story, it works better than her character in Sleepless stalking his character. Yes. Um, you know, and this has gone on for two, three months maybe. I would say that they're doing this the, yeah. throughout the film. So it's not like... Uh, you know, two weeks, hey, I'm going to fly out to Seattle or I'm going to f- have this kid fly to New York so we can yeah. meet at the top of this tower. At the, you know, it's not that at all. It's, you know, two, three, maybe four months of talking online and then meeting up. And, and see, the thing is, they met up multiple times before the four months, you know, two, three, four months ended because oh, yeah. I guess technically you could call him the stalker in this film. But, you know... Because he doesn't reveal himself as to who he is, and she does say that he, she does say that she has a a bookstore. Um, 
you know, he he knows more than she does in this movie. And oh yeah, it's interesting to me because it's not just that let's do all this storytelling and then they only meet once. They actually technically every time they met up, they were on a damn date. It wasn't an official date, but they were on dates. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so that's why I like this story more than Sleepless in Seattle because it makes more sense in this yes. than it did in that. Yes, and I will say this, a lot of people, because I know you kind of knocked online dating, it is possible to meet somebody online, because this is how I met my wife. I'm not saying it (laughs) isn't possible, I'm just saying it's... Oh, yeah. It's not what the... It's basically false advertising. Yes, yes. Every online dating website is basically trying to get you to pay them to find you a mate. All yes. these free trials and everything else and oh eHarmony free weekend and we we match you mathematically. Oh god, I, every time I see that commercial I want to strangle that guy. Oh god. Just it here's here's my two cents on it. You know, I know the people out there cuz like I said I met my wife from lo and behold eHarmony. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> having said that, uh, here's what I will say is that... You are a robot. Bing bong, bing bong. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's one of these things here with, with online dating is there are a lot of weird fucking creepy people out there. That's all I'm going to say. I met some of them because I had to kiss, literally kiss a lot of frogs to get through to meet my wife. Some of these women were not pleasant. Some of them were money grubbers. Some of them were, you know, just slimy. Uh, so, yeah, watch out if you're ever going to go online dating. That's my two cents. There's my, you know, get off, I'll get off my soapbox preaching moment. <laughs> Let me just share at least one or two little tidbits. Now, you know, sure, most of the time the online dating stuff comes back on us that, oh, this guy was the stalker. Oh, this guy did this. Or, oh, this guy did that. Let me tell you. Yeah. I had two online dating experiences that were (laughs) – this is why I don't like eHarmony because they don't let you specify to your location. They – in in order to mathematically match you to – the best mate ever. You have to basically open yourself up to the friggin' world. No, yep. no, no. I want to meet someone in the damn town that I'm living in, not someone in friggin' England. I met someone online that lived in England. We spent maybe six months to a year chatting online, the telephone, everything else. We were getting ready to have her come over here. Turns out she only wanted to meet me to get her green card. Oh. Hey, no. Another one. I was 19 at the time, so this was 99. This was a year after this movie came out. Uh, <laughs> this is a year after You Got Mail came out. I was online. I was I was on Yahoo or something or else, and uh, there was you know someone I was talking to. I think the screen name was um, Beach Bunny 2001 or something or I, I don't remember what it was. So I finally say, hey, you know, why don't we, you know, exchange numbers, talk on the phone instead of having, you know, always do this online check. Because back then I didn't have a steady computer internet connection. I used like school libraries and, you know, stuff like that and everything else. So um, I called her 
and and this is kids. You want to know how old this was, even though it was only 1999, which was 15 something years ago. 15 years ago, we were still using calling cards. Oh God! In Florida, uh, and I had to use my calling card to call her on a payphone. And when I called her up, she turned out to be 45 with two children. Oh God! And I was 19. Ah. Oh. You know, so, yeah, no. This is why I don't, this is why I have a negative connotation towards online dating. And yeah. Just, and just the fact, like, if they would come out and say in their advertising and be truthful and say, hey, you can have this for free, but then we're going to charge you this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah. See, that's the problem I have with the advertising for online dating. I get they advertise that way so they can hook people and then have to charge you later. I get that. I understand that. But I just wish that there was more truth in the ad- in, in the advertising. Yeah, and sadly, that's that's the advertising world for you. You'll never hear the truth mm-hmm. in it. Not unless you're watching crazy people, and then that's a whole other episode podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Cheaters. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so I do want to kind of just touch real quick on the cast here. Again, we have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Who we've we've already kind of covered some of their stuff, so I'm not going to really go back into their movies. Uh, we have Parker Posey who shows up in this film. Uh, she was in Louis with Louis C.K., A Mighty Wind, Best in Show, Coneheads with Dan Aykroyd, uh, Dazed and Confused. And of course, I have to mention her because she plays as Lex Luthor's Maul in the horrible, horrible Superman Returns. Thank you for saying what it you know. Thank you for saying that it's horrible because it is horrible. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I remember watching that movie, and they're talking about Superman and Lois Lane's love child, and this is why I'm spoiling this movie for you guys because I really don't want you guys to sit sit through it and suffer. I sat through it in the theaters and watched it and kind of went, holy shit, this is Kevin Smith's whole nightmare from Mallrats. <laughs> Why the hell did they have this kid and he didn't kick through Lois Lane's womb? <laughs> that was all I could think of when I'm watching the movie. I'm like, oh, my God. He could so, wear a kryptonite condom and it'd kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, that was what was going through my head. Uh now we have Jean Stapleton, who also kind of has a link back through Rob Reiner. She was in All in the Family as uh, as the bird-brained, uh, oh God, Edith Bunker. Excuse me. I'm like, oh my God, wait, what was she? <laughs> yeah, she was Edith Bunker. Uh, she also played. Uh, yeah, I did she not al- recognize her in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mom. Okay, now. The next movie that she was in that I, I have here, she was in Michael with John Travolta. Mm-hmm. And we went to go see Michael. My mom took us to see it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and my mom goes, oh, my God, that's Gene Stapleton. I'm like, who? And she goes, Gene Stapleton from All in the Family. I'm like, oh, my God. And she looked completely different. You know, it was like, whoa. <laughs> and she- let me state this for for everybody. It, okay, sure. The name of the show is All in the Family. And that's what's on the show cards and everything else. But let's face it, folks. Everyone in the 80s knew that show as the Archie Bunker show. Yes. I I mean, like, I didn't realize the title of that show until, like, 20 years later. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, there's so much that's based off of that TV show. I mean, when you look at Family Guy and you look at the intro for Family Guy where they're standing around playing on the piano and singing to each other, straight out of All in the Family's opening credits. You know, come on. 
So there, there was a lot from all the family that came out, but that's a whole other thing for another podcast. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Greg Kinnear, we had as good as it gets. He was in that one. He played as, uh, the gay next door neighbor to Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, yeah. He's also one of the hosts, one of the original hosts of The Soup on E! And he was, I don't remember the name of the character. Uh, he was in Mystery Man as kind of like the whole Superman, Clark Kent type character. Captain Amazing, Lance Hunt. Thank you. Um, he was also ATF Agent Bork in Beavis and Butthead to America. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he was... Um, he was Ray Brown and Someone Like You in 2001. Uh, that was the um, Angelina – was it? No, not Angelina. Uh, it was um, Ashley Judd, Hugh Jackman movie. Uh, he was in Autofocus. He was in <laughs> – he was in Stuck on You. Oh, yeah. Mm, he was in Robots, Bad News Bears, Fast Food Nation, Little Miss Sunshine – Oh, I forgot about Little Miss Sunshine with Abigail Breslin. Yeah. He was in, uh, more recently in the last two years, he was in Stuck in Love in 2012. He was in that horrible, horrible movie, 43, last year. Uh, the English Teacher, he was in Anchorman 2. Uh, this year, wow. he's uh, going to be in Heaven for Real and Murder of a Cat. Uh, television credits, uh, he's going to be in the upcoming series, Rake. Uh, I think oh. you mentioned Modern Family. He was yeah. Benjamin Hobart and Friends. He's actually pretty good in Rake. Uh, I've been watching it, picking that up on Hulu, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He's kind of this, like, slimy, smarmy lawyer. <laughs> and some of the stuff that he pulls off, like, it shows him, and he, he pulls out one of his own teeth to fake that he got into a fight. Jeez, so, wow. yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh yeah, as you said, I mean, he's he's gotten around. He really has done a lot of things. Yeah, he has. Uh, we've also got Steve Zahn in this. Uh, <laughs> I love Steve Zahn. <laughs> he's he's interesting. I'll I'll give him that. Oh yeah, uh, he shows up in Daddy Daycare, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. Uh, you're gonna love this because I found this out. He is the voice of Swampy in Phineas and Ferb's episode, Dude, We're Getting the Band Back Together. Yep. With Love Handle. Yep. So, yeah. I, I remember that. That was – and I thought for the world that that actually was Jeff Swampy Marsh. No. It looks no. It looks just like him, though. I um, will say that. <laughs> okay, yeah. It, it looks like him, but it's not him. If you uh, – his – his voice is embellished, but uh, Major Monogram is is swampy. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing here is he's the coward Glenn Michaels from the George Lopez uh, – George Lopez – George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez film Out of Sight from 1998. Oh, my God. Yep. He's in uh, – uh, let's see. Dr. Doolittle 2, Stuart Little 2. Oh, my God. Some bad sequels. Yeah. Um. <laughs> He, I, I am going to bring this up because he was in – he's in a film which I don't think it ever actually made it out to theaters. Mm -hmm. But I remember seeing it at Comic-Con. They were talking about it. It's got Summer Glau. It's got Steve Zahn. It's got um, 
Ryan Quanton. Uh, mm-hmm. It has oh my god the the Indian guy from Community. I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it has uh, oh god, what's his name? The guy who plays as the dwarf in Game of Thrones. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I can't for life remember it. But it's got all of them in there, and it's a movie called Knights of Badassdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, oh my god, I, the the trailer, if you guys haven't seen it, go out to apple.com, apple.com slash trailers, look it up, it's on there, it's worth a laugh. It's worth picking up, it's on uh, iTunes right now, it's it's a pretty good, goofy movie, it's... It's a horror flick. It's kind of a horror. Well, I shouldn't say it's a horror flick. It's a horror flick like Army of Darkness was a horror flick. <laughs> yeah. So the most recent thing he was in was Dallas Buyers Club last year. Oh crap! I haven't seen that. I he was in that. It's what it says on Wikipedia. Holy crap! I'm gonna have to yeah. watch that. <laughs> uh, now I also noticed that they had Dave Chappelle who was in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappelle. Obviously, he's had his own show, uh, Chappelle's show. Uh, he was one of the stars in Half Baked, which you want a stoner movie? That's pretty much it. It's got everybody and anybody who's a stoner in that film. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Dabney Coleman, who shows up. Yeah. Uh, Dabney Coleman and John Randolph. John Randolph. I'm sorry. John Randolph was. Grandpa Griswold. Oh my God! Yup. <laughs> he plays he plays Schuler Fox in this. Okay, I completely forgot about that. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I you know I gotta say I like Dabney Coleman. I always have. Part of it's been because when I was a kid, Cloak and Dagger was one of my favorite movies, and I I loved watching him and Henry Thomas going through that film. And him playing as, uh, oh God, Jack, Jack Flack. Yeah. And I, that's one I will want to cover later on for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was he was in that. He's most recently people might have seen him on HBO uh, playing opposite um, Steve Buscemi in Boardwalk Empire. That's really a pretty good show, but not to my liking. So. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there were there were a lot of people, a lot of good people here that have shown up in this film that have gone on to do a lot of better things. Just I didn't think they did all that great a job with this. Yeah, I, I can still enjoy this movie for what it is to kind of look back on the the age of technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say this for the record, for my own personal opinion, I would rather watch this than Sleepless any day yeah. of the time, any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Now I do. I do have a little few other little trivia bits for this movie. Uh, I've actually got a little bit more than I did for Sleepless, but uh, we have in here when you're seeing the children's bookstore scenes in the film, mm-hmm. they were actually filmed at Maya Shaper's Cheese and Antique Shop on 103 West 69th Street. And the reason that they wanted to use this was because it had that quaint, homey feel that they were going for. And so what they did was they sent the owner of the antique shop on vacation for a few weeks, <laughs> turned the store into a children's bookstore, and then they put everything back the way they had left it, and it became an antique store once again. <laughs> They're like, here, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll pay for you to go on vacation. Go down to Florida. Enjoy it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, now Joe uh, Joe Fox, Tom Hanks's character, he's obsessed with the Godfather, and so he's frequently using dialogue from it to shape his philosophy on life. And so when you go through and you see the Coppola restoration version of the Godfather DVDs, Alec Baldwin, he says, yeah, Tom Hanks and Rob Reiner are both the Godfather aficionados who have been known to home view, host viewing parties where the attendees do drinking games and quote famous lines while watching the film. So this is actually something that Tom Hanks really kind of did even before this. I oh, thought yeah. that was kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the song at the end of this film, when you see Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks standing on the bridge, mm-hmm. they're playing It's Somewhere Over the Rainbow, also <laughs> shows up in Sleepless in Seattle, uh, where you hear a clip of the song played in the previous movie. So thought that was kind of a nice little neat tie that goes in there. Uh, let me see. What else do I have? Oh, the New York previews. Uh, where they were shown, they were shown in the same theater, where uh, the same building, the same room, if you will, that Meg Ryan and Greg Kinnear go into to see their movie. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, the, the, it's the Sony Lincoln Square 13 and IMAX theater. So they kind of tried to pull that in. I, I get why they did that. That's kind of cool, you know. Interesting product placement. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, and I love this. I love this, this bit. Uh, Kathleen and Joel used AOL software to connect to the internet, and they were both using version 4.0, which at the time was in beta testing mode when the film was being made. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that they were sitting there trying to actually do this and going, fuck, this damn thing doesn't work. What the hell, AOL? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you know what? Honestly, beta testing mode... Even back then, I'm sure Hollywood could have gotten into beta testing mode. I mean, a lot of people nowadays get into beta, beta, beta tests. So, oh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. So, um, overall, I like You've Got Mail. I'd probably give it three and a half out of five stars. It's not the best thing ever, but for the time, for what the story is, um, I I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, it was decent. No, it's not as I said, it wasn't one of my favorite movies. It's it's okay. It's one of those things that if you're out with your girlfriend or something like that, you're sitting on the sofa and you wanna have something where you can just veg out and she'll enjoy yourself, sit down and watch that. Yeah. You know, she'll laugh and she'll love it and she'll think it's absolutely great. You, on the other hand, might be able to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> You know. Hence why we're doing this on stake and a you-know-what day. Yes. You know, this is the point. You have to do this in order to get your stake and knobber. So. <laughs> so I think that pretty much wraps it up for us here. Uh, you got anything else you want to add, Mike? Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Just head on over to geekcastradio.com and check out all the stuff we got going on over there. Um this week we have put up three brand new interviews, one with Stan Bush about his new 2014 album, The Ultimate. On Friday we will put up an interview with Starscream's daughter, Abby Collins. Uh, also on Friday will be the interview with Jim Sorensen and Bill Forster on the upcoming uh, Transformers Legacy, the Art of Transformers toy packaging art book. Nice. Uh, coming out in June from IDW, so we got that interview. 
this week and next week, this past Wednesday and this coming Wednesday, we are running a Marvelous March inside the pull bag where we talk about all, a whole bunch of Marvel Comics trades and stuff like that. Um, I think the day this airs will also be the airing on uh, Movie Week in Review for episode 102 for Need for Speed. Oh, uh, gotta see that one. Yep. <laughs> uh, if for nothing so, else than to see all the exotic cars, that's that's why I gotta see it. <laughs> there's some. It's yeah. not. I'll I'll say this briefly, and then you and I can talk about it off air. It's no Fast and the Furious. There's not a million exotic cards. There's maybe ten or twelve. So thank God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that go ahead. We'll go ahead and wrap it up here with this episode of talking about my generation. Uh, I do want to ask everybody to please leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, we do appreciate that. Even if we are bad, let us know because hey, we don't know if we're sucking until you guys tell us. <laughs> uh, you can also send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T, Sprizout. You should probably change that to something else. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> it's been the one that I've had for forever and a day. Yeah. Well, you can still – you can change your Twitter name without changing your account. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, I am at TFG and Mike. You can also follow at Geekcast Radio for all the other Geekcast Radio stuff. Okay. You can also find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. So if you guys want to like us there or leave us a message, tell us what you thought of us. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and for this episode, I think I'm going to go ahead and sign off with Somewhere Over the Rainbow since it's mentioned in both films. You've got mail. Chimney tops, that's where